Can you hear me outside? Can you hear me outside? I promise to slow down because, oh, it is rich scripture today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we sing your praises. Hallelujah, we sing your praises. It is good to sing praises because what we are biting into, this wonderful, uncomfortable scripture, this scary scripture, this strange scripture, uh, it takes courage to bite into this kind of scripture. Oh, remember, written over one... 1,500 years. Remember our Coptic siblings. Remember the Ethiopian Bible written 800 years before King James Scripture. Remember we've been biting, thinking through what we are made for. The book of nature tells me what I'm made of. The book of Scripture tells me what I'm made for. We are biting into Scripture today. <laughs> oh. And remember, I'll be referring to God an immaterial being that creates time and space and is the ultimate expression, consciousness of love. So if you're sitting here with me and you think you are beyond uh, the, uh, the gift of being forgiven, if you think you've done things so bad that God can't forgive you, you're not that special. <laughs> I mean that in the best way. Because in Genesis, we listen to the story of Jacob, a liar, a manipulator, since he was in the womb with his twin brother. Oh, you think it's hard in your family uh, at Thanksgiving, at Easter, the dodgy uncle you don't want to talk to. Jacob and Esau, they've been fighting since the womb. Jacob, the younger twin, grabbing Esau by the, by the heel. And oh, I'm first. I was here before you. And then wrestling for birthright, wrestling for their place in community, a manipulator, a liar, was out on the journey. And even still, God appears to Jacob. How wonderful. How hopeful. And he is transfigured, he is transformed. Awareness and how, how wonderful, how, what wonderful insight from this God of ours who comes to Jacob in a dream so that he doesn't offer deep theological arguments as to justifying his manipulations. <laughs> so he comes in a dream. And God offers grace and he is forever transformed. He even names the place Bethel. When has that kind of transformation occurred in your life? And then we have this really challenging scripture of weed and wheat. And that hard sentence from Jesus of Nazareth, let them grow together. The weeds in my life are not easy. What are the weeds in your life? I say that as a South African Californian. <laughs> we grew up under an apartheid system that systematically separated us and, and showed us uh, that 
or at least tried to say that we were not the human family. Saying that people who looked like me were not worthy. And how wonderful that I had mentors and heroes like my grandfather and Baba Desmond and Nelson and all these wonderful mothers who sang songs of hope when we had to allow the weeds and the wheat to grow together. What weeds is weighing you down this Sunday, this week? What grief, what pain, what weeds do you have to allow to let grow so that Jesus can touch them and be transformed? Even on the cross, what does our Lord say? Forgive them. What a strange thing to say. What a weird thing to do. Love those who hurt you. <laughs> Forgive those who hate you. And this is more than just sitting in traffic on Broadway or Snow King Boulevard, friends, <laughs> trying to find parking at Albertsons. This is more than just that. This is real weeds. And for me, what does the darkness look like? You know that, that movie, Lord of the Rings? Mm -hmm. You've seen some of that, right? Have you, you know that character Gollum? Mm -hmm. Ah, yes. For me, Gollum, for me, gives insight into darkness. When you choose something that you think will bring you uh, completion, that you think will give you life. For Gollum, it's this precious ring. This, uh, he calls it the precious. Don't you notice? I'm fascinated at how his body starts to change. He loses a sense of humanity. He doesn't uh, see his own community anymore. He's so obsessed with this ring that he assumes will give him power. And he stumbles in the darkness. That's why I give thanks that you are gathered here. Because the challenge of scripture is that we are called to be more than submarine Christians who only pop up in the Grand Tetons on a Sunday. <laughs> and go undercover for the rest of the week. <laughs> no, friends. Especially if you're sitting out in the sun. Oh, you're here to be reminded that we walk hand in hand as a community. We come here for me to bring our weeds, to let them grow, and then we share in this most divine supper, this cosmic meal that gives you hope and reminds you that you are more than your mistakes, reminds you that you are more than your manipulations, reminds you that you are more than that which you think you've done wrong. That there's grace and there's hope, and especially young people. There are young people sitting here, those young at heart. Oh, you are of value to think that the cosmos has had to have expanded 13 billion years just to accommodate you. That's the gift of the book of nature, which tells me what I'm made of. And before you think that, uh, you know, we don't take our faith seriously. We, we, we read about angels, right? In St. Matthew, we read about the gift of angels. Isn't it fascinating that when in scripture we talk about Jesus, especially post-resurrection, or when we talk about angels, people experience blinding light. And we know that, at least I'm in Southern California, 
Frontier fiber optics uses light to transmit mm -hmm. information into my high-speed, so-called high-speed internet. <laughs> and then we know the faster you get to the speed of light, the heavier matter becomes, the less you experience time. What does it begin to look like when God communicates through then what we call angels? Fascinating. That's a different sermon. <laughs> I just want to take you on the journey with me. <laughs> to be reminded what we are made for. Let them grow together. And let God take care of what that separation might look like. What weeds then need to die. For me, that's the gift of spirituality. That's the work uh, of, of the people when we pray together. Spirituality is a waking up like that wonderful Episcopalian who was in a meeting and told their local rector and bishop, I had a conversation with God. And the rector said, what? Huh. Let me go and tell my bishop this news. I promise I'm almost done. <laughs> and the bishop came the bishop said, you are speaking with God. Yes, I had a conversation with God. And the bishop said, if it's really God, ask God to tell you the secret sins that I have. <clears throat> oh! <laughs> what are the secret sins of the bishop? <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> Two weeks later, coffee hour, She's back. So you had a conversation with God? Yeah, I had a conversation with God. What did God say? What are the secret sins that I have? God says, I don't remember. <laughs> what does forgiveness look like in your life? What does letting go of some weeds look like in your life? And how do you sometimes watch it? How do you pay attention to it and remind yourself, you are not it? Like I shared with you, uh, if you were visiting, uh, one of the earlier Sundays when I was here, the, the passion I have for the desert mothers and the desert fathers, Abba, Abba, uh, Abba Sinclatica and Abba Moses the Black, the Ethiopian, and Evagrius, who uh, came up with these eight deadly thoughts. And from those eight deadly thoughts, we get our seven deadly sins. What? Thinking occupies your mind. Where are you when you wake up? In these amazing Tetons with your coffee. <laughs> are you constantly stuck in your anger? Your frustration? Jacob? Never enough? Fighting with Esau? Or are you trying to live into some gratitude? Where is your thinking? Where is your mind? Thank goodness, thank God that we come here to this chapel to pause for a moment to focus our minds on hope and prayer, on a meal that transcends time and space that says you are more than your job, you are more than what you can do. You are awesome. Do you ever say that to yourself? You are blessed. You've heard me say this, and this will, you won't have to be stuck with me hearing me say it every Sunday, but you are more than your 3 a.m. mind. 
At least I have a 3 a.m. mind. I don't know about you. And my 3 a.m. mind does not say, Lester, your stall today is amazing. Your hair is flowing in the Grand Tetons. You look awesome. No, my 3 a.m. mind is like, you're not working hard enough. Got to work faster. Got to work harder. Got to sleep better. <laughs> Constant comparison. Constant critique. And again, I live in Orange County, South Los Angeles, home of the real housewives of Orange County. Constant, <laughs> constant judgment. <laughs> so what would a day look like just to take a pause from comparing myself, from critiquing myself, from judging myself? Just for a moment. Because if you can do that, and we take hands together. And we go out into this world. A world in pain. A world in division. A world weighed down by weeds. What a gift. What a difference we can make. What hope can you bring to your neighborhood? Wherever you are visiting from. What do you take back from this moment? And thus transfigure the neighborhood where you go back to. For that, friends, oh, I will always say amen. 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 amen.